Welcome to Central Assembly's podcast. Here's a message from our lead pastor, Kurt Jenkins. We pray this message speaks to you. You can grab your Bibles if you brought one today. If not, there's Bibles in front of you. As you saw in uh, the announcement video, if you have not grabbed a marked uh, journal yet, we would encourage you to grab one. Maybe you're newer here. Maybe you're just visiting with us. You're encouraged to just join us in the process. I was asked a few times over the last few weeks, what should I do if I missed the chapter and I'm you know, turning through here? Just pick up on this week's chapter, all right? Some people, like, you start to feel bad because you missed something, then you just give up altogether. Leave the page blank. Join us where we are. If the Lord allows you to finish it sometime earlier in the week, then go back to the last chapter. Continue to chew on things. We do believe that this SOAP method uh, is a great approach to be able to look at scriptures. You're just asking the Holy Spirit, what are you highlighting to me? What verses do you want me to pay attention to? You write down the observations. Then you ask the Holy Spirit, based on what you're teaching me, how can I actually apply this to my life? Then you spend some time praying about it. In your bulletin, uh, each and every week, there's a note sheet here that you can take notes on the scriptures that are being shared, because obviously we don't have time to share everything from every chapter. So I'm doing the same thing. I'm reading through each chapter. I'm asking the Lord, Holy Spirit, what are you sharing with me? In fact, when I was reading uh, Mark chapter 5 this past week, getting ready for the introduction, and then uh, next week, there were some things in there that stuck out to me that I don't know that ever have before, just little pieces and phrases. And uh, one aspect about the demoniac, once he's set free, uh, I don't know if I ever saw it before, but I was excited when I looked at it. So I just started going deeper into those things. And then I'll ask the Lord, okay, so what do you want the church to know? What am I supposed to share with the body? So that's, that could be the same thing for you too. You can ask the Lord, what are you sharing with me? And then what are you sharing uh, with me that can flow through me so I can encourage other people with it? You also heard on the announcements, uh, there are introductions on our website and on Facebook every Tuesday, but there are resources and websites uh, on that marked website. So if you go on there and then you click down, there's a really cool video resource. There's some other websites that if you go in there and you actually plug in the word parable and you can read some good articles about how to approach these and how to read these things. Uh, Again, in March, and we've had uh, also, we're gonna have some more testimonies um, because we had uh, Sue speak today. I wanted to give enough time for her but starting next week, we'll have some other testimonies. We've had 12 individuals uh, go out to lunch with, with uh, other individuals that the Holy Spirit has led them to uh, over the course of these last two weeks. So we just want to share what the Lord's doing in the upcoming weeks. So in Mark chapter 4, Jesus dives straight into teaching about the kingdom of God in something called parables. In fact, you'll notice that most of Jesus' teaching is done using parables. I'm not going to spend the time talking about ways to approach parables today. Go back and watch the introduction video. Again, some of the websites that we have on there will give you practical ways to read through parables so you're not like thoroughly lost and confused and just like, what is he talking about? There is a way to discern what Jesus is saying. Uh, The basics are this though. Each parable, Jesus used an item, a situation, a person, a character in the natural to teach something spiritual. What he was teaching about was how the kingdom of God operated. Now, the reason why it was hard for individuals to understand is because they had not yet repented. They're still thinking of the old way of doing things. They're still holding what Jesus would say is old wine in an old wineskin. So people kept saying, well, no, I'm used to the world working this way. 
So he even says, you know, these words can be like riddles to people who did not yet said, I am in need of understanding this, and then relying on God to actually giving them the interpretation. Uh, So what happens, because most people lived in a rural area in that day, Jesus used examples from their everyday life, like the four soils that we're going to talk about today. If he was on the earth today, I believe he would talk about Snapchat and iPods and iPhones and everything else. He would have taught us using a natural element, a natural story that represented and taught a kingdom principle. You with me? Let's go ahead and read. We're going we're gonna to just focus on the first, just, the first 20-some verses here. We're going to look at the parable. <laughs> I got time. We're going to look at the parable of the sower today, which I actually don't think it's the parable of the sower. I, I think it's the parable of the soils. And if you follow through what Jesus is teaching, you'll see it. All right, starting at verse one, it says, again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it out on the lake while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. He taught them many things by parables and in his teaching he said, listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up. If you could picture this, like Jesus, this is like they're following him. He's performing miracles. He starts teaching, and it sounds nothing like the Old Testament. Like, not at all. It doesn't sound religious at all. And he's not the only one that would teach in parables. There were other ancient methods of teaching that were similar to parables. But Jesus mastered uh, this art form of teaching in parables. All right, so in verse, where am I? Verse 5. Three of you are paying attention. Am I on on verse five, yeah? All right, thank you. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and uh, they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, some 60 I'm sorry, some multiplying 30, some 60, and some 100 times. Verse 9 says, Then Jesus said, Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. A few things I want to point out uh, about these verses here. Number one, there was a crowd. There was not just 12. Last week we talked about Jesus gathering people, gathering 12 out of his disciples in order for them to spend time with him, to be with him so they could become like him. In this specific situation, we see Jesus still teaches the masses, and he does throughout his entire ministry. The second, I've heard this asked before, why in the world, how can people hear him on a boat and how can they hear, how can 5,000 people hear him if he's talking on a mountain, no electricity, no microphones? You might read something if you have a study Bible about the Capernaum Cove of how the land was formed and then how the mountains were formed almost in a valley shape there. So the acoustics of that actual region allowed Jesus, it wasn't like a supernatural miracle every time he spoke, the acoustics of the land and of that region actually allowed people to hear him. So if he was uh, in the boat and just out a little bit more, that would have allowed his voice to project so everybody could hear him. The third thing is this, Jesus approached his parables in such a way that only those with repentive hearts would understand and perceive what he was teaching, all right? So I've had this question asked just a few times from verse 11 
uh, and 12. In verse 10, it says, he, while he was alone, like the 12 of them, they probably like, wanted to look all cold. And they're like, amen, Jesus, I understand exactly what you're saying. And then they get around and they're like, we have no clue. I don't know what this means. You know, I'm a fisherman. I'm a tax collector. I have no clue what you're talking about. So what Jesus says in verse 11, he told them the secrets of the kingdom of God, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. Now, I do believe this is progressive because he continues to teach them for those next three and a half years. It says, but to those on the outside, everything is said in parables so that they may be ever seeing but never perceiving and ever hearing but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. So I've received this question actually several times over the past week about these. These are like hard verses for us to understand because we're thinking like Jesus came to save the world and now he's saying, I'm gonna talk in mysteries so the people who aren't on the in crowd don't understand. That's not what he was saying. If you have a Bible that has footnotes, you might see a little B or an E or a D right after that verse. If you look there, it takes you back to Isaiah chapter six, verse nine and 10. Now where we stop in Isaiah is usually when God's saying, who's out there that I can send? Who will do it? And Isaiah's like, here I am, send me. And we use this as missionary verses and we stop. But if you actually continue those verses, you'll see Isaiah was being sent as a prophet to the people of Israel who had such hardened hearts, they were not going to turn and repent. These words that Jesus spoke are the words that Isaiah prophesied to Israel, that you would hear, but you wouldn't perceive. You'd be present, but you wouldn't understand. They had run far enough from God that their hearts were hardened. Now draw this all the way back into Jesus's day. He starts to teach in a method that maybe the disciples aren't used to, maybe this crowd isn't used to. And he's saying, I'm talking about people who have hearts as if they were in Israel when Isaiah prophesied. So like when they heard this, they would be like, oh my goodness, this is what Isaiah said about these people. These people now, these Pharisees, these teachers of the law, they're in trouble unless they repent. These scriptures do not mean it's impossible for someone who was far from God to understand them. Because obviously someone like Paul turned, he repented and he was saved. And we have other, uh, other evidence of other people who were teachers in the synagogue, teachers of the law that repented and understood. So go back to Isaiah, read some of those verses. Hopefully it will make sense to you. That word secret can also be translated mystery. It does not mean something that can't be figured out. What it means is it's information, it's revelation that had not yet been given to this earth. So what he's saying is, listen, you have the secret. That doesn't mean I'm gonna give you all the little details of every single parable. The secret is this, the kingdom has come, repent. And then a chapter later, he says what? To become uh, one of repentance, you have to become a new wineskin. So he's tying all of these pieces together. This is all drawing back to the kingdom. The kingdom is here. And the king and the Lord is the one teaching here. You with me? So Jesus actually had an expectation that these apostles, these 12, would begin to understand Jesus' parables. In verse 13, Jesus said to them, don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? 
because this is really a foundational parable. The four soils are really a foundational uh, uh, truth of how to receive everything he was gonna have so that you could reap a harvest. Now, the good thing about this is this. Jesus actually took time to teach them, all right? So if you're reading some of the shorter, quick parables throughout Mark 4, and you're like, I, I, okay, Jesus explained this one, but he doesn't explain these, I have no clue. Don't feel bad. Don't feel like you're in the lost. Again, you weren't there 2,000 years ago in the agricultural uh, uh, area and all that. So Jesus was patient with them. He's going to be patient with you. Ask the Holy Spirit for revelation. Use cross-references. See if you can find these same truths taught somewhere else in Scripture. If you're asking the Holy Spirit for revelation on a parable and you write something down and weeks later you're realizing, I don't see anywhere in Scripture of this. Say, I'm sorry, Lord, I really messed this up. Scratch that off and say, God, continue to keep showing me. Okay? Like we have to start digging in. Sometimes we're so afraid of getting it wrong. We just step back and say, it's just too complicated. Press in and the Holy Spirit will help you. So let's look at this. Uh, Verse 14, it says here, the farmer sows the word. So Jesus starts to explain here. Now the farmer could be a preacher. It could be an evangelist. It could be a missionary. I believe in this context, it was Jesus himself. So what he's saying here is the farmer sows the word. So he goes to somebody and he begins to, you dropped them. I'm just joking. (laughs) Begins to sow. I just wanted to bother Pastor Christian for that. Um, begins to sow the word into people's lives. Now, if you see throughout this parable, the farmer doesn't change. So some parables are very quick and short. Those ones, they take a, a, a certain approach. Longer parables, you wanna see what elements change and what elements stay the same. So the farmer isn't the focus of this parable. In every situation, we know the farmer is sowing seed, okay? What is the seed? It's the word. Now, in one of the, I think it's in verse 15, if you want to put it up here, it says, some people are like seed along the path. If you read that and stop, you might say, oh, well, Jesus is saying the people are the seed. No, they're like people, or they're like the seed along the path. And then every other instance, whether it's the path or the rocks or the weeds or the fertile soil, that's what's changing, okay? So we have a farmer, which we are all now considered, Jesus, I believe, is talking about himself there. That's not the focus of the parable. Then we have the seed, which is the word. Does the seed change in each of these four situations? No. So it's like in the scientific method. Is that the the dependent variable? Everybody's confused now. There's something in a science project that doesn't change. This is the seed. The seed does not change. It's the word. It's the word. It's the word. It's the word. The farmer might change in life. The seed doesn't. It's the word. I do not believe in context he's talking about the Old Testament that was already written. And the New Testament wasn't written yet. I believe he's talking about the word of the kingdom. It's the words he was teaching that would one day then be written down for us to learn from. So the one element that does change throughout this parable is what the parable should focus on. And those are the four soils. Someday you might be going along and you might read something like from 1 Corinthians 3, 5, and you'll see how Paul, Jesus, the different authors of the, uh, uh, in the different authors of the New Testament all fit together. In 1 Corinthians 3, 5, it says, this is Paul writing. He says, what after all is Apollos? And what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe. 
as the Lord has assigned to each task. Now watch what Paul's saying. He's giving the very similar example. He says, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their own labor, for we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. So some of us are farmers that will sow seed. Some of us are farmers actually that will plow the ground before it ever comes. Some of us are farmers that will water. Some of us are farmers that will come and harvest. And some of us are farmers that will come after it's been harvested to care for the harvest and make sure it gets distributed. And he's saying every single person has a purpose That's not the important part. We'll be rewarded for that. What we should understand here is that we are God's field. So if you see what Paul is saying here, it's drawing right back to what Jesus said. Verse 15, back to Jesus's parable. It says, some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. So we have this first soil here. It's very hard roads. Obviously, they walked almost everywhere they went. So if seeds were gonna try to be planted here, they wouldn't stick, right? It's a hard surface. It's a smooth surface. You see pictures up above of what Adam created for me down here. People walked and walked and walked, and these things would be such a hard surface. There's nothing, water's not gonna stick in it or anything. What this path represents are people who have hearts that have no sensitivity whatsoever to the Lord. They might even laugh at religious conversations. They might say, oh yeah, I'm just doing fine. There there might be a, a guy in the sky, but I'm not really concerned about him. I'm just doing my own thing. I'm not really into religion. Guess what? Jesus wasn't really into religion, right? He's more into like relationship. I've actually heard an individual one time make a joke about him and his wife, and, and we were just chatting a little bit. Oh, he, and he says, oh, yeah, me and my wife. He says, my wife is going to have a, an oar with me as we uh, row down the lake of fire. And he starts laughing. And I'm thinking, you have no clue. Like, you have no clue. Now, at first thought, maybe they, they're, because they weren't repentant, they don't understand what he's talking about. But when Jesus begins to explain this, they would know these are people whose hearts are extremely hardened. Now, it can be very easy to be just like the Pharisees and say, Father, thank you that I don't have a heart like one of them. And then we realize, wait a minute, Jesus isn't on this earth anymore. Who's the one with the seed in their hand? Us. And if Jesus hasn't put seed in your hand right away, maybe he put a plow in your hand to get this soil ready. So before we look at people and say, oh, this world is going to hell in a handbasket and these people don't know nothing. I can't believe they're doing this. Listen, if they don't know the Lord, they're not going to follow like the values of the kingdom, are they? So we have, we have no right to judge people who are outside the church because of how they live or what they do or make, a, make us get mad. No, we have an opportunity to minister to them. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. So guess what? When you are born again, you receive new fertile soil that you have the opportunity to let the word come in and take root. It says here, all of this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. And what did he do? He gave us the ministry of reconciliation. 
It says that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. So if Jesus died on the cross for the fact that people's sins wouldn't be counted against them, why as a church are we counting sins against people? Why aren't we saying, oh, I forgot. I've been given a ministry of reconciliation. I have a hoe in my hand or a hose in my hand or seeds in my hand. And together, we can actually change the soil of people's hearts through the power of the Holy Spirit. Right? He does the growing, but we are called to do the work. It goes on to say in verse 20, Therefore, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. So what do we do? We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. So up to this point, people of this first soil, they hear the word, they might see something on TV real quick, they might see a poster, a t-shirt, maybe they came to a special service with a friend, but as soon as that seed hits their heart, it gets snatched away. So what what can we do with that? We can intercede. We can minister. We can be there for a right now move of God, even like that word said, right? We can actually expect the Holy Spirit to move right now. I was at uh, the Chartiers Houston High School basketball uh, game on Friday night, and I was talking to an individual after, and they were talking about how uh, uh, their marriage is struggling and just some other areas of their life. And they really wanted me to to pray and, and minister to the spouse and the Lord was like, I, I was just, okay, okay, you know, I'm gonna consider how we can do this, how we can approach it. And the Lord was like, like, pray for that individual. Like, why can't the Holy Spirit move right now and give this person hope? So I have to be honest, that is a little bit awkward. I, I mean, I didn't have like, I'm a pastor, you know, T-shirt on or anything. So you're in a public place. You're in a public place, just up on the bleachers. I'm like, can I pray for you? And they're like, okay. And I, I had the opportunity to pray for that individual uh, and two of the children there. And I do believe that because I prayed what I believe is according to God's will that the Holy Spirit softened some of that soil. And now he has an opportunity to work, right? It's advancing the kingdom everywhere we go with, with or without our church merch on. You're a Christian whether people know you're from a church or not. Rocky places, let's look, verse 16. Others like seed sown on rocky places, they hear the word, And at once they receive it with joy. But since they have no roots, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Much of the soil in that land was rocky. So when this seed would be thrown onto there, it might take root for a little bit, but because of how much rocks were on top and then also underneath, uh, it would not happen. So they would spout up just a little bit and then they would die. I believe that a lot of this happens, and I believe in the, the, the ministry of an evangelist. We have two, if not three of them coming this year. Actually, I know we have three coming this year. I believe in that ministry, but I believe a lot of times people come in and they'll hear a powerful, life-changing word from an evangelist or a special service, and they'll receive it, what? With joy, right? We feel it, they'll have something stirring. But when they go home, they don't steward their hearts. They don't steward the soil of their life. So then it starts to come up and it starts to spring. Holy Spirit begins to teach them, but then it dies. It withers out because what happens? Trouble eventually happens. Trouble comes. Or, oh, why are you going to that church? That's dumb. You're not like that. Come on with us. Persecution comes. And then because of that, things get choked out. 
And when you, we hear Jesus' teaching, he actually tells the 12 disciples, you will be hated because of me, right? Jesus' teaching of the kingdom actually divided families. When I say Jesus is the prince of peace, he's bringing people together. Yes, but when there's a, a mother and a daughter that repent and start to follow Jesus, and there's a father and a son who are like, I'm not into that religion stuff, and they don't, there's a division that happens. So now there's pressure on the, the family member, there's pressure on the coworker to sustain the move of God in your life. Right? We get, we, we get all bent out of shape because the school district yells at somebody for praying before a football game. And yet Jesus' disciples were like boiled in hot oil, burned at the stake, beheaded, crucified upside down because he didn't feel like it was right to be crucified the way Jesus was. There's real persecution across this world because of this word. We want our roots to grow down. We want to steward the soil in our life. The second soil, I believe, as I was writing this, I believe the Lord said is a warning and a lifesaver for several in this room today. We want to feel good and we want to be energized when we come to church, right? But sometimes it can be made like into a pep rally instead of letting the word cut you deep where it needs to, right? So we can enjoy the promises and blessings. I'm not taking that away. What I believe the Lord's saying in two specific areas, some people who are called into the full-time ministry and some business owners that are considering new ways of doing business or even starting your own business. I don't have a clue who that is or how that applies, but I feel like he's saying this specific soil is a warning. The prophetic word over your life, the promise over your life is from God and is true and with his help will come true, but you need to steward your heart, right? So let me step back. In the prophetic, when the Lord speaks through someone or through his word and a promise comes upon your life, God will make sure he does his part. You have to steward your life on your part, right? Some, there could be a prophetic word that somebody's gonna see signs and wonders and see tens of thousands of people come to Jesus through the preaching of that person's mouth. And guess what? If they live in a way that's completely opposite to the plans of God for his life, that prophetic word, that promise won't come true. So I believe, again, I believe the Lord's saying to some of you in here, and I don't know who you are, that it, this, this soil is a warning, but it is also a life saver that when you start to see trouble come, persecution and pressure, you'll remember this soil. You'll remember this moment and you'll say, God, thank you for saving me. Thank you for putting me on the right path. Help me to grow my roots deeper than they ever have been before. Verse 18, thorns. So still others, like seeds sown among the thorns. They hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth and the desire for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. So what we have along the path, along the path that they would have been walking would be a lot of rocks, but also a lot of thorns. So as we sow these seeds along the thorns, what happens? Now they can grow some roots, right? Now we're like, okay, this person's growing. They're getting discipled. All these things are happening. In fact, as they walked along those paths, those thistles and thorns could grow about three feet high. So they were like quite obvious in this day. They would know what Jesus was talking about in the natural. And now repentance, changing the way we think, would give revelation of what he's talking about here. Growing up, I used to have, I don't think anybody is like fond of, of thorn bushes, uh, but in Pittsburgh, we call them jagger bushes, right? 
So growing up, we used to play kickball on Scott Street. There was this little road right next to my house. And we had these jagger bushes that ran the length of the porch. And we actually made it a rule that if you would kick and the ball would go in there, you were out. Not a first. We're like, I hate going in those things. It was worth the pain. You can go out and dig it out yourself. But thorns, they're annoying to touch and to put your hands in, but they also choke the life out of other plants. So what are the three things Jesus is saying? Worries of this life, what is that? Those are things that distract us, right? God has given you things to keep important in your life, but then there are these other things, these worries, anxiety, the stuff that you think about, all like, is this gonna happen? Is this gonna happen? Is this gonna happen? 95% of the time, it never happens. So we've spent like weeks worrying about something, wasting our life away, and then it never happens. Jesus teaches in Matthew 6, seek first what? Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. All these other things are gonna be given to you. I just heard a message yesterday that said, you know, oftentimes in the Christian life, we'll say, well, God first, marriage second, you know, family, uh, kids third, then, then ministry, then work. And the guy was, the, the pastor was challenging. He's like, no, 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 You don't have a list of priorities. You have one priority Seek first his kingdom and everything else is gonna work out. You seek him, you spend time with him, your ministry will flourish. The Lord will give you good ways and good ideas to love your spouse, to be a good parent. You keep seeking him first and everything else is gonna be taken care of. He'll give you the strategies of life. Second thing is the deceitfulness of wealth. This is where you have a primary goal of building wealth, struggling to get wealth, that false sense of security because of your wealth. In 1 Timothy 6, 9, it says this, those who wanna get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. These are not like very happy verses. Verse 10 says this, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager to get money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Money's not the problem. Money helps advance the kingdom. Money funds things like Sue's ministry. That's not the issue. It's our hunger and our desire and our drive to get more and more and more. That's the issue, right? If wealthy people were the problem, God would not have used any of them in the Old Testament. And yet, take a look at some of the people he used and all the stuff they had. But God was the priority. The third thing he says is the desire for other things. This is, I believe, all about priorities. When our minds are focused on other things more than they're focused on the Lord, they become idols, right? So what do we do with an idol? We put it right in front of us. We put our attention on it. We put our focus on it until our heart's attached to that more than it's attached to the Lord. It doesn't mean you can't have fun. It doesn't mean you can't go on vacations, but it's the priority that goes back to seeking first the kingdom. In Luke chapter 12, it says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It's not just about money here. This is Wherever you're focused, that is what you will treasure the most, right? So we think about these three things. We could say, well, I don't want to admit this. Well, if I do admit it, then I'm going to be under shame or condemnation or guilt. No, how about this? How about just say, Lord, you know what? I've noticed that my heart has been a little bit hard. I've noticed that I haven't been spending enough time with you to actually get grafted in you. 
Or Lord, maybe these things, the the money side of things, maybe worries and anxiety and concern, or maybe just my priorities have been a little bit messed up. Do something in my life today that will help me produce fertile soil. Uh, The the Lord, I feel like spoke to me on, uh, and when I say that, like, like, I don't go, I don't, I mean, you can, it's in the Bible. I don't like go into trances and, you know, and the, the, my roof doesn't open up. And I'm not, I'm not trying to mystify that. People really have visions, dreams, they're in the Bible. So when ha- it hasn't happened to me yet. So if I'm just saying that, I kind of, I want you like to relate to me of what happens in my life, just one person. But um, I was in a conversation, an individual brought up stay-at-home moms and something like happened in my heart. So when I started to pray about it, um, uh, I feel like he confirmed something and then, just last night I was. So what I would like to do, not just stay-at-home moms, if you're a mom that has kids in your house, like you're currently caring for them, if you could just stand, I wanna pray for you. I feel like the Lord wants to say something to you today. I feel like he wants you to know that the enemy is lying to you. That the enemy wants to tell you that because your schedule is a little bit out of whack, a little bit, yeah, right, like I think about my wife does and it makes me tired just thinking about everything she does to keep her house in order. So I feel like the Lord's saying is that the enemy is lying to you, that he's telling you because your schedule's out of whack, because you don't have time to spend time with the Lord the traditional way where we think it's on your knees for three hours before the sun rises and everything's perfect and you can go throughout your day. I believe he's lied to some of you in this room saying that your heart is now hardened toward the Lord. I'm telling you, that's a lie from the pit of hell. And I believe he's telling you here that this rockiness, that you just can't grow a root system, that every time you sit down and the kids are finally at sleep, you open up your Bible and then they start to cry. And you're like, I just can't get time with the Lord, so I'm not growing my roots. I'm telling you, your roots are deeper than you think. The enemy is lying to you. And all of these thorns and all of this stuff, listen, your concern, your ministry is to your children right? So you don't have to look. If you're keeping your priority on the Lord and the Lord says, yes, care for your children. I look to the Lord and he tells me, care for my children. I look to the Lord and tells me, care for my children. That's good. You're keeping your priority on the kingdom and now your priority is with your children because the Lord's telling you that, right? So these things, when I'm reading these, I feel like even something the Lord might say, well, the enemy might say, see, that's present in your life. That's present in your life. I believe he's lying to many of you. So this is what I feel like. And I just want to pray with you. I feel like he just wants you to begin to believe that you actually have fertile soil, which we're gonna talk about in a moment. And as you believe, what you believe, you will receive. It requires faith to receive in the kingdom. So I want you to go home today in the busyness of kids crying, slamming doors and doing whatever. I have fertile soil. I'm a daughter of the most high king. Okay, I want you to bow your heads. Father, I'm not done yet preaching, so don't leave after this. Okay. Father, we pray for these moms and we thank you for them. We honor them. We just break off the lie that they're not in ministry or they can't be involved if they want to. They are so involved in what you have for them because they are caring for future world changers. We thank you for that, Father. I thank you for every bottle that's fed, every diaper that's changed, every meal that's fed, every piece of clothing that comes out of that dry, everything else that these moms do. We thank you for them. We honor them. For those that work, God, I pray that you'd pay them back time and energy 
for everything that they're doing. For those who are in their home, I pray, God, that you give them creative ways to have space and peace in their life by themselves to re-energize, Lord Jesus. And we just break off today as a community of believers, we break off lies from the enemy that they can't grow during this season, that they're not good enough, that their time isn't well spent, and that they just can't figure out how to grow with Jesus. Father, I thank you that you've given us the ability to have fertile soil as we receive your word in faith, in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you very much. Adam, you can come on up. I wanna look at good soil for a moment. Verse 20, it says this, others like seed sown on good soil hear the word and they accept it and produce a crop. I'll get to the rest in just a moment. This last soil right here is the soil of a person's heart that is not hardened, that is not unwilling to grow roots, and that is not, uh, doesn't have these thorns, the, the lack of priorities or the distractions. This soil is free from the, the, the negative effects of these first three soils. This soil represents a heart that is humble and hungry and passionate to grow for the Lord. And this looks different for every person, just like those moms I just spoke to. It looks different. Maybe your time with the Lord is in the morning. Maybe it's in the evening. Maybe it's the five minutes you have by yourself in the car and then the next 20 minutes that you have in the car coming home, whatever it looks like. What this is, is the ability to receive and accept the word of God that's being preached. So when Jesus says here that they hear the word and accept it, to hear the word means they have knowledge of what is being preached. That word accept means to believe something is true and to respond appropriately. So if you're asking, how do I keep my heart soft? How do the roots grow? And how do I make sure that all this junk doesn't choke it out? It's to believe Jesus's words are true, but don't just be a hearer of the word. To accept it means to respond appropriately. That means as he's giving you things to act on in your life, if he's giving you things to act on for other people, that's called activation. You're putting the word into order in your life. That's the best way to receive a crop. Now, if you look at the second half of verse 20, it says this. If you have good soil, fertile soil, it says that you will produce a crop some 30, some 60, and some 100 times what was sown. So I started looking up, like, what, what does that actually mean? So in ancient Israel, an average crop was seven to 10 times what was sown. That was average. So that means some of your Bibles might say uh, 30-fold, 60-fold, 90-fold. It means it's that many times. If you, if you put one seed in, either 30, 60, or 90 plants would grow up, or 100, I'm sorry, would grow up in it. The average crop was one seed to seven plants or to 10 plants, seven to 10. An extraordinary harvest in that time was 30-fold. And I'm reading through this, I'm like, oh my goodness, this is kingdom economics right here. What Jesus is saying, my base, the bottom level of what you'll get when you let my word penetrate your heart is extraordinary what you see in the natural. 
the top level of what you would say is this is amazing. I'm a blessed man. God is with me. I've received a 30-fold harvest. People would have a party and celebrate. And Jesus is like, this is only the beginning. This is where I start. So when I think about it, like if this was a 30, if this was a 30-fold harvest, like I'd be like famous in the area, right? The Lord's blessing is upon my hand. Jesus is saying, this is the starting point. We could go to 60 or we could get to 100. Listen, this is, not about, this is not about working for something. This is not about earning your spirituality. I believe there is a lie also out there that only the spiritual elite, only the guys you see on TV have soil like this. No, it's humility and hunger. It's saying, God, will you remove these things from me, right? So this harvest, from according to these scriptures, this harvest actually benefits us, right? There's a harvest that benefits us, but there's also something in John chapter 15 where Jesus says, if you you abide in me, do my will, I'm paraphrasing, that you will bear much fruit. Now, the last time I checked, fruit trees don't bear fruit so the tree can eat the fruit. The fruit is on the tree so other people can benefit from it. So what I'm seeing throughout scripture, Jesus is teaching in the potential of a hundredfold harvest and then also that we're gonna bear fruit as there's a harvest for our own soul, our own spirit, our own life, but also fruit that can, that can bear forth for the benefit of other people. It's like a win-win situation. So I, think, I thought about this, make it super practical. Let's say you spent an hour in Mark chapter four this week. You're like, ah, oh, it was kind of sloppy. I, I, you know, my mind went off here. Somebody called there. My cell phone buzzed there. Let's say for the majority of the hour you spent in there. What if we started to believe that if we're going to take this word and act on it as the Holy Spirit help, uh, would do, that, that we are going to benefit at least 30 hours from that one hour, 60 hours, or 100 hours from that one hour? What do we do? We go throughout our day and say, oh, we only spent 15 minutes with the Lord. Okay, multiply that by 30, 60, or 100 and start believing that's the harvest that's coming your way. This is like unfair math. And God's like, Jesus is like, this is the way it happens in the kingdom. Why don't you stand up? I want our altar team to make their way down. I want to spend a few more moments just pressing into the Lord because I want to give you the opportunity to simply ask for them more. I want you to be able, whether you want to pray with somebody from our altar team, if you want to come forward and just be by yourself, or if you want to stay right where you are, your position in this room does not matter to me. What matters to me is that you stay connected now to the Lord and that you're honest with yourself and with him. And if you see soil one, two, or three in your life, that today's the day. It's the right now miracle. It's the unlikely miracle that can take place. The Lord reminded me this. That harvest takes an entire season, but a field can be plowed in a day, which means you can say, God, today is the day. And maybe your, maybe your soil just needs turned over a little bit. Maybe it needs raked. Maybe it needs tilled. Maybe you need to rent a big honking plow that's just going to run this thing over. It really doesn't matter to the Lord. None of it's too big for God. So you can say, God, I'm believing for the harvest in a season but right now is my day of getting my heart prepared with good soil.
And so, Father, we ask uh, today that you would help us to accept your word, not just to hear it, but to accept it, to receive it as truth, to have faith that your kingdom has come and is here and is within us. Father, I pray that as you build our faith, you would give us the assurance that we have good soil. And as we believe that, we won't let the thorns grow up. We won't let the rocks get in the way. and We won't let our hearts get hardened because your spirit will be constantly on the move within us. So we believe your word today. We accept it and we ask that it would take good, good root. Father, we expect the 30-fold to be the minimum. 30-fold harvest to be the minimum. And Father, we look forward to the fruit coming forth in our life that will benefit other people also. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Bless you guys as you go today. Thank you for coming. Thanks for listening. For more information, check us out at centralconnect.org.